Section seven of Through Broadland in a Braden Punt by John Nolittle. A pseudonym of the writer and naturalist Arthur Henry Patterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapters thirteen and fourteen. Chapter thirteen The Monk of St. Bennet's. The enjoyment of lone travel is intensified by voyaging in a canoe for this isolates more completely than any other mode the want of a companion is never felt because each moment has engagement searching the way minding the boat fishing too to enjoy it you must be alone by mcgregor from rob roy canoe my restless habit when afloat finds me awake betimes even now in this cosy bungalow bedroom luxuriously fixed as i am it is a sort of compromise which the fifth hour of the morning findeth half of me well rested is beneath a bright red rug the other half at half a right angle with a pen in my fist my friends are still sleeping i am jotting impressions in gay potter before the heat of the day can scorch them that it is a glorious morning goes without saying the cool wind is whispering to me through the window kindly but why does it get hot and so unkindly as the sun woos it do you think me always merry like the sparrows cheery like the robin i mostly am but i am only human too would you believe me if i tell you i have had more than one wet eyelid above my scribblings the spirit of my boy who sleeps in that far-off soldier's grave in Albert cemetery seems to find me up now and then in my solitude and the old man gets a wee bit sad but cheerio let's have a smile together for life is a curious mixture and only a mysterious providence knows the good that seeming evils may do us the world wags on and the naturalist perforce must take a philosophic view of life st bennet's fine old abbey ruins are in sight looming up grandly on the widespread marshes and a smart old yacht whose name i did not catch lay moored beside the sedgy margin of the river friendly greetings were exchanged as the yarwhelp glided by a few fathoms further on and i drew up a while just opposite the ruins which are beautiful in their slow decay some good soul or society has banned the ugly tin fencing of years ago and substituted for it suitable railings as i held fast to the sedges a-thinking there appeared unto me a merry-looking jolly old benedictine monk in cowl and other fittings and fixings 
including a fairly straight hazel rod well my friend he queried dost thou fish for thy pleasure or for thy sustenance i perceive that thou art well acquainted with these parts more or less said i and i am glad to meet you my friend i heard him chuckle fatly thou hast a smooth tongue said he laughing rather quietly though i thought which should stand thee in good stead it can be a rasp on occasion my father i interjected no doubt of it said he so thou hast not been very successful with thy angle i too am a fisherman thou seest like those galileans of old and fish in good company as they did and so saying he sat down beside me putting on his hook a worm which he blessed and cast into the waters but even for his blessing the fishers bit not father said i i thought that friday was fish day but to-day is it not wednesday good fish are excellent any day he made reply casting in again but we have fish stews up at the abbey on ill days to fall back upon and which are ever accessible why not i asked open up a fried fish i was about to say shop thinking what a boon it would be to yachting folk but he interrupted me thou must know said he that stews are ponds artificial wherein we turn those fish which we have captured in nets pikes carps tenshers bream and others we have many a bream and many a loose in stew and many a fat patriarch eke in mew and the old fellow chuckled again until the dewdrops trickled from his bald pate to join those that oozed from the pores of his rubicund cheeks the merry old crow you had good times old man said i rather familiarly joining him in his strange laughter ay that had we he responded why at one easter in fourteen eighty six we had henry the seventh drop in here on his way to lincoln the deuce said i the fact he said reproachfully and served up for him and his following twelve great pikes twelve great tenshers and twelve salmons a dish meat for a king ye four and twenty blackbirds baked in ye pie which when ye pie was opened ye birds began to sing were not in it thou wouldst know of the birds we have or had well in the good old days we had bitterns and herons upon our tables ruffs and reeves 
plovers grey and plovers golden yarwhelps snipes in thousands and wild duck and grey geese galore but i am no great nature man said he pulling out kingsley's Harrywood. but here be one who is i will read to thee a moment and thus read he i tell you sire i have seen wild fowl alone in that island enough to feed them all the year round i was there in moulting time and saw them take in one day one hundred one two hundred and once as i am a belted knight a thousand duck out of a single mere no wonder the breed hath lessened he put in there is a wood there with herons sprawling about the tree-tops i did not think there were so many in the world and fish for lent and fridays in every puddle and leet pike and perch roach and eels on every old wife's table while the knights think scorn of anything worse than smelt and burbot thy mouth waters added the monk your descriptions of what has been in ages gone by in broadland when water spread where rushes now grow into solid land and spreading acres of bog gave way to marshlands bitterns gave way to sleek lowing kine and sedges vanished before the corn move one greatly for thy comfort said he read lubbock's fauna of norfolk for thy delectation stevenson's birds of norfolk please change the subject i begged him for i am a naturalist who loves birds more than beeves and curlews more than corn i stooped to tie up a vagrant shoelace and rising again quickly found my friend had vanished if on the marshes i could not discern him if into thin air i could not say but i was alone surely i had been dreaming perhaps wool-gathering who knows i am alone again no great call for comment marked my passage downstream from my clean insectless open mooring place midway between mill and bridge the wind what little there was of it was not unfriendly but i thrust out the oars and so jogged along i repassed a small but dense clump of rushes but as i came to it i noted the whirligig flight of many swallows mostly young birds above around about it they seemed to me like youngsters bed romping before getting seriously downstairs for the day's breakfast and lessons bonny creatures snip-snapping at the tinier bedfellows of the night gnats and midges i saw the swallows last night as it were making and going to their beds 
and no wonder for a good rush-bottomed chair to sleep on is far more pleasant to roost in than in the old family nest with its swarming ticks and fleas how do i know this well i have when the chickies were out of bed put my hand into it and drawn it back with many parasites upon it experientia docet stultos and you yourself won't deny it it is good to have these little birdies around one in solitary places far better to be roosting caged amongst them as it were than to imprison one for the beauty of its song thus punishing it for its merits what a cheerio does the little sedge warbler give one when in the dead of night he wakes to tune his harp-strings repeating it if you hull a bit of mud into the water forefronting him to disturb his nap again and often when all the world should be sleeping a wee piping cry now and again disturbs the stillness one little fluttering bird like a child in a dream of pain has chirped and started up then nestled down again oh a child and a bird as they sink to rest are as like as any twain oh broadland how beautiful thou art thy very feathered tenants are thy angels and heaven seems not afar off in the cool sweet quiet nights of summer when the birds pipe and prattle to you from the fullness of their little hearts turn the panorama on john but you must bear with me a little for i am telling the story pass two anglers their old stages any one may tell you see it in their rods in the way they cast angle they are out early and lo one plays with consummate skill a lolloping bream you can tell it by the aprons across their laps and their quiet business-like demeanour experientia docet do john drop those outlandish phrases very well they slip out like small eels from between unprofessional fingers shot by a couple of cameras but the wounds are not painful hello my old yankee hat has gone overboard unnoticed and may be a mile astern but there are two other handsome old shapes in the kit bag and perhaps i can arrange a salvage job one other mishap i had left my tin box with the little brass lamp somewhere where i knew not and that accounts for my pocket full of candles at stalham but presto it comes back to yarmouth again by post with a most artistically finished black and white cartoon unsigned which sketch represents john nolittle writing up his log by the aid of a box of matches thanks kind friend at horning after losing my hat i prefer to rig up 
a sort of burnous with the towel lined with two cool lily pads this queer headdress made some passing yacht folk look at me doubting i can't help their troubles i have my own pass we quaint old farmhouse on one side the river its chum the pump mill on the other what a picture they would have made if together one of those charming sloop riggers the miranda keeps tacking in front of me tack upon tack just as short as this she did it so tack 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 and so beautifully and patiently that i had not the heart to try and show the yarwhelp's paces she tacks rather poorly but she's a beggar when i put the oars a-going to help her seems to cock her tail and say to em now then clear out of the road and just look at the skipper and then at me potter hayam ahead hello the yarwhelp's got the bit again and off we go till the next bend fooling us she slackens her paces ship ahoy it was the call of a friend who was overhauling me in the cigarette a dainty little yacht and presently she and the yarwhelp went the last lap together the former's big white wing half folded to keep step to cheer up its plebeian cousin and so in triumph we reached the grand little ancient stone bridge together when the yarwhelp's ugly brown wing was folded and she slipped under to be paddled to a quiet mooring place chapter fourteen at pleasant potter in running waters praise praise in the bubbling brook that laughs between green rushy banks and meadows golden sheen praise in the streams on rushing blithe and free in mighty rivers sweeping to the sea praise in the little waves laughing in their glee dancing dancing merrily full of ecstasy by john oxenham i was struck on my peregrinations with the remarkably cleanly unlittered surface that characterised the waterways empty tins papers refuse were conspicuously absent empty bottles were the predominant flotsam the reeds no doubt hid many and much but why are bottles invariably corked before hulling em in i might as well ask why it is that a woman who throws herself overboard always takes off her hat before the act sticking her hat-pin through it the waters hold the secret my present impressions of potterham are vastly different from those when years long gone by that old houseboat the idler of some fame was an innovation a pioneer 
and a landmark when what is now a yarmouthian henley balterslock and richmond all in one but in a smaller degree was but an eelman's outpost it was almost as bare then as to-day is burney arms come yarmouth the railway in eighteen seventy six opened up the jungle the earlier yachts folk took their pleasures then more seriously and if norwich made roxham yarmouth made potter and yarmouth is proud of it her spies like those in canaan came back saying they had seen the sons of anak who be strong that dwell in the land marshmen were they and that the land floweth with milk and honey numbers chapter thirteen alas the latter attractions are as hard literally to obtain to-day in broadland as the israelites found them in the wilderness bungalows on the northern bank are a marked feature of potter the squatters who usually own a handy dinghy have added plot to plot of raw marshland rondage filling it raising it fencing it with care and in most cases piling the frontage and building thereon choice little summer resorts nestling amidst stunted willows not so dank and so oppressively overshadowing as those at roxham which shut in dignity and shut out air whilst brilliant nasturtiums painted luxuriantly by the sun climb up trellises and other flowers throw in their varied charms delightfully the bungalows themselves are gay and exceedingly tasty in appearance neat usually modest always and altogether more lovable than roxham's waterside mayfair bungalow avenue the one is tenanted at weekends and holiday times by folk who bask the other scintillates with the swagger of imperialistic nabobbery i say these things with all kindness for you know i try to be friendly as well as honest at potter you sniff in the ozone from the not far away sea at roxham fresh marshland air filters in through leafy ways in one you see the far-away smoke trail of a steamer at roxham you cannot seem to forget the not over distant factory shafts the name of applegate seemingly coexistent with the birth and rise of potter Hayam, still stares the whole world in the face like longfellow's village blacksmith as i half doze i recall old george applegate again chatting over the eel hut fire or watching his eel sets and for the approach of yacht and wherry his pleasant voice with a natty sort of lisp in it telling me of early days in broadland for in the early nineties i used to drift the old houseboat moorhen the first to kendall dyke and stake hard by him his ancient craft still lies 
in literal rags and tatters not far distant from boning's habitat i delighted after nightfall in drawing into the good man's hut to talk by the firelight a willing scholar at old george's feet i was made most welcome by a friend who owns one of potter's comfortable bungalows and that night i slept in a civilized bed but the habits of the mohawk compelled me to roll between the upper blankets and then after a refreshing breakfast i trained to yarmouth myself parting with the host and his fair daughter with a pleasant memory after a few hours spent at home and with a fresh supply of necessaries i went back to potter on saturday noon put the yarwhelp's wing up and made for hickling to my mind the wildest and most characteristic of the broads fuller of wildlife and freedom than any and to it the rarest of our broadland nesting birds resort we glided through the peaceful sounds where aforetime i have staked down to capture ruds and roaches and listened at night to join in praise with the dancing wavelets in their glee as the north wind tripped them merrily and when the southerly zephyrs accompanied them back again the coot awoke me in the morning by his querulous music and the sedge-birds joined in with less jarring notes accompanied by the tinkling cymbals of the bearded tits how grown up are the bays and corners i steered the craft towards the old meadow dyke for horsey but the baggage proved restive what ailed her i couldn't guide her swing the tiller as i might she just shaved a pile grating her side along it the boom catching awkwardly as did the sail as wickedly along its length you little female canine i called the yarwhelp but it was hardly her fault for i found we had been scraping over the thick mossy waterweed that grew to the very surface i half apologised to her and censured my pettiness up the dyke she ambled until the turnings baffled her and i took to the paddle it was a stuffy valley the heat unpleasant which the all too sheltering verger intensified i hadn't got far before the voice of jim vincent broadland keeper and watcher hailed me and our boats touched noses as their skippers exchanged greetings i've been looking for you says ex sapper jim broadland bird expert counter of reed pheasants nests protector-in-chief of this bird sanctuary where harriers now nest again and bitterns have reopened their nurseries and ruffs and reeves now dare to come on their honeymoon jim's sporting gun punt boasts the roundest deck i ever saw but she's a ripper for making the best use of every inch of sail which is a sprit sail rare on these waters 
you'd better go back to the eel hut dad wants you to have a yarn with him come this way tomorrow so i let horsey go a bit and turned back to join a very old friend robert vincent the doyen of present-day broadman hale hearty jocund as a boy smart as broadmen go for lo i found him with a spanking white collar on one of the sort you can wash starch and iron as it were in a bucket of water End of section seven